This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Chuck and Chernoff on the radio. We're on the uh, fan, which gives you a lot of opportunity to check it out in different ways, right? You want to hear it in clear FM? We're there, 93.7, mostly. Uh, AM, still trying it. And it's sunny today. Temps are over like 40 degrees, so the AM should be cranked up at 680. We got a chance? We have a chance. Sweet. And of course, the 680, the fan mobile app, is always there for you wherever you may be. The 4 o'clock hour of the show is presented by Entry Point Doors and Windows, Atlanta's local expert for entry doors and windows. They're Atlanta's best for a reason. Go to entrypointatlanta.com for a free estimate. That voice you heard was Carlo Medina. He is in for the king. Charles back on Monday. Los will be back in his rightful spot down the dial over there at Extra 106.3, doing the morning show with Tug and Rhino, 6 to 10. You can listen in over there with the Extra 106.3 app. Los is also on CFT duty, so he's got a college football today around the corner. Tease us. By the time this man is done with college football, he should be known as Dr. But that's not going to be the case. All right, we'll get to that coming up. Now, we're all focused on the Falcon coaching search here and other parts of the country where they actually have football still being played. It's a playoff weekend. And divisional round weekend is typically where we get to, like, you start to see the elites and the real, like, Super Bowl contenders. And usually there's a couple of strays. And I think we have a couple of strays still here. I don't think Tampa's very good, but they're here, right? I don't think the Houston Texans are very good, but C.J. Stroud is special and they want a playoff game. And they're here. But, Los, what defines to me the NFL postseason more than anything else is who can deal with the two Ps. It's playoff pressure. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist in the NBA and Major League Baseball. It certainly does. But in those arenas, typically if you have a bad inning or a bad game, it doesn't beat you because you get a series, chance to make it up, chance to do something else. In football, you have the bad quarter or the fumbled punt or the, the bad throw in the red zone. We can look back and say that was the reason your team lost the football game. So I'm looking at the coaches and the quarterbacks because that's where most of the focus will always always revolve around. We have two head coaches remaining in the playoffs with Super Bowl championships, Andy Reid and John Harbaugh. Every other coach is trying to climb the mountain. I think Kyle Shanahan has so much pressure on him, specifically in this postseason, Los, because the door has opened up in a way that this bracket for them is two home games that will include beating a pesky Packers team but a team you're much better than, and then the winner of Lions and Bucks. If you don't get to the Super Bowl here, you'll have question answer questions to answer for a long time. So I think the, the Kyle pressure is huge. I think the other one that you look at as far as the uh, quarterback pressure comes down to Lamar Jackson and, and Josh Allen. After that, yeah, you can put some on Brock Purdy, but he's still young enough that I don't think people will lose their mind. But Lamar has to get over the the, play, the narrative that he can't win in the playoffs. He's one and three, and people hold on to that stuff, and they will ignore everything else you do. You won two MVPs. You're the best quarterback of, the, of this season. You're a top five. They don't care. So he's got to get that off his back, and that would mean winning a, a game against a team that you're nearly a double-digit home favorite against. Josh Allen's task is a hell of a lot bigger. You've got to beat, right now, what we're looking at as guys chasing the GOAT. 
but you get him in your building. Mahomes is first time on the road in the playoffs. That will not affect Patrick at all. But if you're the Bills and Allen and you don't play well and don't win this game, McDermott's going to hear it. Allen's going to hear it. And that pressure just ramps up every year and it gets bigger and stronger and louder. You don't want that noise. Well, every quarterback goes through, it's, it's like the quarterback curve that, you know, as you're ascending, as you're moving up in the NFL, everyone puts out another reason of something you haven't done. Well, he hasn't won enough in the playoffs, then you win in the playoffs. Well, he hasn't been able to get his team to a Super Bowl, then you get your team to a Super Bowl. Well, you know, we saw this with Matt Ryan, how it was Matt Ryan will never be amongst the top five quarterbacks in the league. Then he wins an MVP, and suddenly you go, all right, for this season, this is where he was. Every one of these guys, for the most part, has one of those. You know, Matthew Stafford had one of those. So, you know, with him bowing out last week, you know what? I got my Super Bowl ring. I already showed you I can do it. Everybody else is pretty much having to show you outside of Patrick Mahomes that they can get it done. Well, here is the the other part of this, right? For the other side of, and it's the playoffs, there's always a level of pressure. But I can look at C.J. Stroud, none. He had no pressure on him. They yeah, lose. he can play free and easy all he wants. He's already got a playoff win in his first start, and he was dynamic in that win at home against the Cleveland Browns. I, I would say the same about Jordan Love. Jordan Love got a playoff victory, won it on the road, pulled a pretty big upset over Dallas. Now he gets to go play for just sort of like the bonus. Now, it doesn't mean they can't win again, but it would be another sizable upset. If they lose, nobody's going to get on him. Nobody's going to get on Matt LaFleur. Do you realize we only have two quarterbacks remaining in the playoffs who have actually been to a Super Bowl? Well, wow, yeah, that's where we're at. One is Mahomes, and the other one does not come to mind right away. Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. is the other one that's been to a Super Bowl. But I love this time of year. Like, D'Amico Ryans has no pressure because of what, again, Houston won their first playoff game. Nobody's expecting them to, to double up and do it again. Like, I don't – so here's where the, the fun begins. John Harbaugh's the one seed, but he's does he have one or two titles? Uh, he's got the one from 2012. Okay, so you got one title. You want to capitalize on having this stud quarterback, having the one seed, having the two home games get to the Super Bowl. But I don't get the sense if they were to get upset, let's say, in the AFC title game. And it would be a small, small upset, either to Kansas City or Buffalo. I just don't get the sense that people are going to come down screaming on John Harbaugh. The same way if Andy Reid was to lose tomorrow, I don't get the sense that people are going to come down there. So the level of pressure, comparatively speaking, with the coaches and quarterbacks is so much fun to try to look at and see how it's going to affect these guys. And remember... We are looking at a scenario where it isn't until this has happened for a number of years. Like, every single time Dallas is now in the playoffs, it's okay. There's real pressure there for the quarterback and the coach. There's not going to be any of that until Houston, until like 2027 when we go, oh, they haven't been able to get it done yet. You know, they, this is like their fourth or fifth straight time. Let's see if they can get it. That's, that's when it starts to mount. That's when it starts to matter. All right, if you're just tuning in, let me update you on some stuff with the uh, Falcon coaching search. Uh, one of the names I know they either talked to or were going to talk to is Antonio Pierce. He has been named the permanent head coach to the Las Vegas Raiders, so congrats to him. He did a heck of a job, and that that locker room fell in love with him. So now there are six other remaining openings. We know the Falcons. To say their eggs are all in the Belichick basket feels like an understatement. The latest reports we got today from Diana Rossini, who, again, knows everything that goes on. When Arthur Blank coughs, she reports it. She hears about it. Belichick was in town as of yesterday. One of Arthur Blank's private planes, according to Rossini, flew him in. They had dinner last night. More meetings today. The understanding from Jonathan Jones at CBS was the interview, if you want to call it that, <laughs> was happening today with Blank, with McKay, with Fontenot, with Greg Beatles, and I'm assuming some other execs that are there with Bill Belichick. Now, if this goes well, Los, it feels like we're near the finish line. The Falcons do have to, again, satisfy the Rooney rule, but I don't know what would be left for them 
after this meeting, because the second meeting feels like we're going to talk about the distribution of power and, and Bill's going to explain, I want it all. <laughs> we'll see what the Falcons push back on. That is going to be. Then they're going to talk about coaching staff. Then they're going to talk about philosophies. And at that point, it's about presenting with a contract, see the money and let's go. I feel like you and I were staring at the football and Lucy's holding on to it. <laughs> and she's just like, no, Matt, kick it this time. Well, I don't know. I mean, I know what happens every time I start getting excited about kicking this football. I just maybe maybe it works this time. Maybe it is supposed to happen. Everything sounds like everything is on the up and up. Everything has gone well, and both sides apparently want to be with one another. And that all sounds like pluses to me. I know the social media reaction from Falcon fans is they don't want this, a large majority. But I just don't know if I judge that against real-world stuff. It's so hard to get lost in that little negative rabbit hole that is Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. I don't know if that's a reflection of the entire fan base. Maybe it is. But I will tell you, there's two sides of me, right? One side is as the talk show host. I love this. This this Belichick thing is the most interesting thing that has happened to this franchise in a very long time. Uh, there are more people listening. There are more people talking. There are more people discussing. The Falcons are relevant more locally. I don't care about that. Na- like Arthur cares about nationally. I don't care about that. Locally, the Falcons to a lot of our listeners, boring. Nothing interesting. What, like, had I told you they made the playoffs, let's say Lowe's the scenario was they went 8-9 and nine or 9-8, nine and eight, made the playoffs, lost in the first round, and we were going to run it back with Arthur Smith. You tell me, what are the topics du jour that we're doing with the Falcons? We're talking about the quarterback, but that's about it. This Belichick thing is fascinating. From the fan in me, I have no flipping idea if it's going to work, but I do know this. That guy is not dumb. He didn't forget how to coach. He has made some strange and disappointing roster decisions with New England. So, yes, that scares the hell out of me if he has all the control. But from a coaching standpoint, if you give him the same team that Arthur Smith had this past year, I think they're two or three games better. That's how much difference I think he would make over a Smith or a lot of guys. I want to give him a chef's kiss in this regard. We've talked about what it's been like when he doesn't have Tom Brady. And we'll bring up, you know, okay, this is what he did with Mac Jones as a rookie. This is what happened with Matt Castle. He had a 500 football team with Cam Newton on his last legs. He managed to take Jimmy Garoppolo and put together an undefeated record when he had him. Same thing when he had to go with with Jacoby Brissett. If you give him competent quarterback play, the man has found ways to win at a higher level than what we've had around here. Say say it the other way. If he gives himself competent quarterback play. In this case, yes. He's in charge or has been. That's what I. The most interesting part, if if the deal gets done, is going to be the power and control distribution. I want to see how that's going to work. I don't, like it, it sounds obvious. Yes, Bill's going to want all the power at seventy-two. Maybe he just wants to work in collaboration and coach. And yes, he'll still have a huge voice. We'll see if he has all the voice, and that's why the press conference will be can't miss. Oh my God, that'll be amazing if they get the deal done to hear Arthur and and. Like, is Bill going to put on a happy face at the presser instead of what he typically <laughs> it's does? It's a new day, everybody. Look, oh, I'm smiling. Get used to it or not. Take a picture because you won't see it again. I just, I can't wait. Uh, all right. Uh, I want to give you guys a chance to win. Tool is coming uh, back to State Farm Arena. Tool will be here January 24th. Uh, LiveNation.com has your tickets if you don't win them. We've been giving away tickets all week. Again, Tool, State Farm Arena, January 24th. Tickets are on sale now. You can go to LiveNation.com. I've got a pair for caller number 9 at 404-231-1680. If you don't win them, caller 9, you can get yours at LiveNation.com. Chuck Oliver's College Football Today. Got the beta king. Yes, it is. One of the most fun stories in college football going on right now. Uh, And it really piggybacks off the idea of just how long can you stay in school? How long can you be the Van Wilder? of college football well 
The NCAA has granted Miami tight end Cam McCormick another year of eligibility. Now, you might be saying, well, what's the big deal? What, is he playing another year? If you don't know this story, Cam McCormick showed up at Oregon in 2016. And unfortunately for the young man, he lost the better part of five seasons due to injuries. That is what basically went down. He also went through the COVID year of eligibility, which granted him another season. Well, after having to petition the NCAA, Cam McCormick is getting a ninth season in college football. The young man has pointed out how last ride will be in 2024. He is currently a 25-year-old and a former three-star prospect. Now, what's so much fun about this? There's a lot of people that are making some good money playing college football who don't have an NFL future. You're going to start to see some of this stuff go on where some guys are going to basically tell you, yeah, I'm not looking to leave, so why are you trying to push me out the door? And the more that we look at the NCAA and realize they're losing their hold of this entire thing, the more we're going to see somebody who says, yeah, listen, I'm a pretty good guard. I can't play at the NFL level, but you know what? I'm making six figures playing over here for University X. I think I want to stay here a little longer. And if you try and take away their eligibility, they will challenge that in court. Chuck Oliver's College Football Today on the College Football Voice of the South, The Fan. What a life, though. Guy's going back to school for free for another year. Another year. 26 years old or 25 years old. Hmm. And, and, and now the, the bad part about it, it's been a bunch of broken legs and oh, yeah. injured feet. So, yep. so he's got that problem that he's had to deal with, but he's getting a ninth season. Yep. All right, coming up, does Bill Belichick provide the one thing that every team needs to win big? In today's NFL, penicillin. I don't. I don't think that's. I mean, maybe well, he has I mean, a, a first aid kit with him. Perhaps I. I don't know. No, that's not it. Shrooms. Well, you've been there. <laughs> I don't think it's that either. Acid. Does Bill strike you as the kind of guy who's dropping acid? No. I'll tell you what. I think might be missing though. Next. I mean, I am telling you, there's so much happening around here. I can't uh, even contain uh, it. Can't even contain uh, it all. I we, love your tweet. We got, we got pictures of Belichick at a Chick-fil-A. Now, I don't know. That could be five years old for all I know, but it could be brand new. I don't know. I don't care. Whenever the goat's eating chicken, he's one of us. Yeah, they didn't have him put up a newspaper, so it's proof of life, you know? Right. Well, so this picture that's uh, all over social media is just somebody who looks like behind the counter taking a picture of Bill in a suit. He's at the counter. He's getting, I'm, I'm assuming, a number one. That's what my assumption is, number one. I, I'm going to guess a diet drink because he's, you know, watching his weight. And, again, I don't know if it's a new picture or not, but for the sake of the story, I don't care. Uh, Bill was in town yesterday, flown in by private plane by uh, Arthur Blank. Meetings uh, today, dinner last night, second interview, the whole nine. As we continue on Belichick Watch 2024. Los is in for the King. It's Chuck and Chernoff. We're on the fan. till 6 o'clock, I will remind you, you can hear Los each and every day. Morning 6 to 10 over on the Extra 106.3 by tuning in and listening on the extra app. Now, uh, Derek said in his update, Lowson, I found this interesting from Jonathan Jones, the Falcons have requested to interview Joe Brady, the interim offensive coordinator of the Bills. I'll remind you that Brady was interviewed by this same crew in 2021 before they hired Arthur Smith, and, and it was reported in some circles that if not Arthur Smith, it might have been Joe Brady, but they just didn't think he was ready for the job. Hear me out on this. What if you hire Belichick, maybe he's enamored by Brady, now, you can't make a lateral move, but as the interim OC, I wonder how that works with Brady. And what if behind the scenes you let Brady sort of learn at the feet of Belichick and there's your successor whenever that Belichick works. stepped down? When you got a 72-year-old, 
I mean, that's that's kind of the it's, – it's been done before around this league. I mean, it was done in New England. It's the only reason I say it because they interviewed him three years ago and everything went well. So you're going to interview him again. you got to have some kind of succession plan just, again, connecting dots. I have no idea if that's the case at all. We'll see what becomes of it. But the Falcons are still conducting other interviews. Uh, again, if this thing was to hit a snag at the five-yard line, you got to have a plan B, and they're going to try to do their due diligence on all the above. So we shall see what happens. All right, coming up, Los wants us to think about what it took to end Kirby Smart's run of national championship dominance. Think about what it cost them to get it done. We'll talk about that coming up. But first, on the uh, topic of Bill Belichick, Los, I have to ask the question because it's being asked everywhere. Is Bill Belichick still that guy, right? The guy that was once a special type of a difference maker, special in the way of game planning, special in the way of defensive design, special in the way of in-game decision, that Bill Belichick, and you heard we played a, a cut from Thomas Dimitrov earlier in the show, and he gave a, a breakdown on what his statistical, his worth, his value was about a point and a half in a game, which is more than anybody else all time. And that's, that's a huge number when you just think about what you're getting from the sideline. And you can argue Bill might not be that anymore. I don't know. We'll see. But I do know this. To win at a very high level in this league, you better have something. Quarterback, offense, defense, coach, you better have something special. And we all know what special looks like. We could all define special. Like, think about the 2016 Falcon offense. That was just special. Matt Ryan had a special season. Julio Jones was always special. Shanny, with that play card in his hand, just special. Difference making. Right now, look around the league. You would always describe Mahomes as he's just special. Josh Allen has that quality. Shanahan now with that play card in San Francisco. Lamar Jackson has that quality. Now, occasionally we'll get a special defense who makes a run. Doesn't happen often, but we saw the Ravens. We've seen teams like the Bears. There have been a few, but again, they, have, they come few and far between. You can see a little bit of C.J. Stroud as a rookie showing you that's special. Maybe that'll continue to develop. Los, I would ask you, look at the Falcons right now. What's special about them? Uh... I don't think I can use the word special or for anything. Correct. I think Bijan has that special talent, but I we got to wait and see on that one if he's used either, I want to say, properly or used more or they get the most. Like, he's got the most special talent, but I'm with you. I don't know anything right now that looks special. If they bring in Belichick, let's say they sign Kirk Cousins. You know what I think about those two guys? They're good. They're better than anything you've had. Are they special, though? Are they special enough where this team can make a run in the next couple of years? I have my doubts. I will just say this. When it comes to New England, you can pretty much look over the last several years, and even when they haven't had quarterback play that you would be excited about, they consistently put together a top-10 defense. Right. And, and I think if you're talking about what the Falcons have, that the possibility of it going from perhaps good to something better or perhaps special, maybe that's the area. And that's, that's different. You've talked about how long it was where you never saw 40 sacks or how long it was where you never could depend on a Falcons defense. Mm-hmm. Maybe with Bill Belichick, that becomes the special. Could be. Now, I know the fan of the Falcons who wants them to take the shot at the coordinator sees there's a chance maybe Ben Johnson is a special head coach. Maybe Bobby Slowick is as well. The fan who wants the Falcons to make a big, bold move in the draft, they can see the special potential in Caleb Williams. They could see the potential special in Drake May or Jaden Daniels. And I, I respect that. I see that. Here's where you have to ask yourself the question. Does Arthur want to have a chance at being special, or does he want a team that just is relevant and better and gets to January? In his golden years, what does he want? Because I know he wants the championship. That goes without saying they all do. But the route he's going, Belichick and Kirk Cousins make you better. I just don't think they make you special. 
But I will say, and, and I, I liked how you put it this way, if you tell me that you're signing Kirk Cousins yet you are still considering drafting a younger player, okay, I can sign up for that because mm-hmm. I know what I'm going to get out of Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins just two years ago had one of the best seasons yep. of anybody yep. at, at quarterback in the NFL. It just He got beaten up, and, and he got beaten up that year. He got beaten up again this year. Mm-hmm. If you're telling me you can keep him clean and you have the weapons, I think you have a possibility of, of going out there and saying, I can win 10 or 11 games with better play. I don't disagree, right? But I don't want to sit here and act like Minnesota hasn't given him a bunch of stuff, right? Oh, yeah, res- they gave, and, and he performed when they did. He did. And he's, he, he was a good quarterback two years ago with them, and, and he kept them hanging around this yeah. year until he got hurt. He's a fine quarterback, right? He has a special receiver. He had up until last year a really special running game. They've had like stuff around him that's really good. They had the, they were thirteen and four a year. They ago. were they were now that team overachieved greatly, and maybe that was because of Cousins. And then the playoffs it blew up. And I'm not going to blame Kirk for what happened against the Giants in that game. But that's what I'm talking about. With just when you're not special and you're good, stuff like that can happen to you. And it's just you know like uh, your team. You just watch Dallas. I think Dak is really good. I don't know if Dak's special. I agree I, with that. I I, I think. C.D. Lamb might be the closest to special on the Cowboys. But they, I, they got a special pass rusher and a special receiver. Yes. And then the, the rest is the, the areas you want to be special at, they're not. You're, you need a special quarterback in this league. Yeah. All right. Uh, coming up in five minutes, I wonder why the disrespect keeps happening to one of the best players in Atlanta sports. Boo, Ronnie. <laughs> it's not Ronnie. Boo, Mrs. Albies. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> not booing people. I'll tell you who again. Got the ultimate disrespect. But first, Los wants us to think about what it took, the extreme levels, to end the Kirby run of championships. I like to think of it in, like, these movie terms. Like, have you ever seen the the Book of Eli where you have the character who works so hard to get a hold of, of the Bible book, and when he finally gets a hold of it and realizes it's Braille, that's the fun part of the movie. Sorry, I spoiled a movie from 10 years ago. I, I don't have to see it and, now. And he basically is told, it's like, you worked so hard for it, and what it cost you. Like, it basically, the, the guy was going to die because he wanted to get a hold of this thing. Think about it in terms of what it took to have a team like Alabama, to have a team like Michigan, and to a lesser extent Texas, to end this run for Kirby Smart in Georgia. Alabama, in, in particular, Nick Saban, Nick Saban brought it up in like his exit and interview with ESPN. He talked about how hard the grind was to get this team this year in position to compete with Georgia. You know, he, he didn't say Georgia. He basically was like, this is what we had to do, and I don't think I'm able to do it going forward. It essentially, in order to beat Georgia, cost them their head coach. He, the, the grind just got to be too much with NIL and everything else just part of it. Michigan, Michigan had to cheat so hard that their their coach went away for six games and is going to go to the NFL to stay away from the NCAA. Washington, Washington got to the place where they went, hey, cool, we're, on, we're in the finals, and then their coach bolted out of town. Texas, they still got to figure out defense. When you look at the betting favorites for 2024, there's a reason why Kirby Smart with the number one recruiting class and cleaning up in the portal is going to be the betting favorite to win three out of four. That's that's just mind-blowing to me that everyone who passed him this year had to work so hard, and they are now falling apart. Well, and the, the other circumstance, and I will call it that, the math got him. I mean, the math just got when When Alabama beats you and Texas beat Alabama, I like Chuck's term when he said it. They were bossing Georgia out of getting into the to the college football playoff. I guess the good news, if if you're one who wanted to see the Georgia run end, was that there were only four allowed in this year. Like, when there's 12, do you want to deal with Georgia in a playoff game? No chance. Right? You want to think about whether they're a top-four seed, and we'll see all the structuring, how it works out. But if you're a top-four seed and you get a bye, 
and then somebody has to play the week before and then come into your building. Most years, unless something really wacky happens, Georgia's going to be one of the, again, final eight, final four teams. Again, unless something weird happens. But back to your point on Saban, the video now of, of Nick, and maybe he was saying this to everybody through the years, because when you get to be 65 and 66 and then 70, maybe you say this, but that interaction with Kirby and, and Nick Saban before the game where you hear Nick Saban go, I'm just too old for this. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty prophetic when it was all said and done. Well, to, to get to his, that his team to that point, remember early in the season, they didn't even have a quarterback. They're playing three different guys trying to figure things out, and they patched it up. They made it work. And then he had to obviously get through some really crazy games, including Auburn, just to get to that point to tell Kirby Smart, I'm too old for this. Well, what if Georgia had? If Let's say some other things happen, right? Let's say Bama doesn't have the big throw at the end, the miracle win against Auburn. Start doing the math, and if Georgia would have gotten in. Like, you saw the look on the faces of the Michigan players when it was Bama. Imagine if it had been Georgia, and they were like the four seed. And you got to deal with them, and then if, if they get by you know, Michigan, then they're getting the Washington-Texas winner. Uh, yeah, that's all they wanted to see. I'm going to give your blood boy credit for this. Explain who that is for the audience. That is Brian Hoyt, who right. used to work with you as uh, your your consigliere. Um, he, he was he he provides you the fuel that you need to survive. That's that's what that's what Hoyt does. He, here, Matt, take my blood. That's what he does. It's funny that uh, I st- I'm somehow existing now. I don't know. What's- <laughs> you're, you're but you're not thriving. Right. I feel for you. No, that's true. Uh, now here's the crazy part about it. Had Georgia beaten Alabama? And Nick Saban and the way things were moving and the discussions he was having, if he walks away, then you have a regular portal season where everyone is open and Alabama is saying, all right, we can bring guys in. We can lose guys. That's what it's going to be. The fact that they beat Georgia and went into the playoff, now they only have access in the portal to Washington players and what Arizona State players. Him making that run made it even more difficult for them to deal with what was going to be the post-Saban era. Because they beat Georgia, it's more difficult for Alabama in 2024. Yeah. It's, it's quite the challenge. It's a very different set of circumstances, and I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that when Georgia goes there in September, they're going to see Caleb Bohr on the sidelines. <laughs> Beyond weird. Uh, all right, so this was making its way around social media yesterday. I wanted to give it a day to Sima, because I know Braves fans – we're all bothered by this, and I get it. This is the second year in a row that MLB now, I think it's MLB Network did the same list a year ago of top 10 second basemen, and somehow Ozzy Albies was not in there. Which, <laughs> right, Joe, it is pretty funny. Which a year ago I remember referencing and saying, I think it's ridiculous, like y'all forgot about Ozzy. But at least in their defense, coming off 2022, Ozzy mostly had an injury plague season. Still he was not hurt. A, yeah, he was hurt. Still not a defense. He was a top 10 second baseman, but whatever. That's fine. All right. That was their, their rationale. Come back and prove it to me. Well, he came, he came back and he proved it to everybody again. Ozzy Albies coming off a season where I'll just give you the traditionals and then we'll, we'll dig deeper. He hit 280 with 33 home runs and 109 RBIs. Had I said that most times in history, you'd go, oh, that's your star center fielder. That's your star right fielder. That's your third baseman. No, that's my five foot nine, 165-pound second baseman who put up those numbers, plus a 124 OPS plus, plus a 124 WRC plus. Now, when I see the list, and I'll for those who haven't seen it, I'll run down the names for you. Mookie Betts is number one. Jose Altuve is number two. Marcus Simeon, three. Luisa Rise is four. Cattell Marte is five. Then we get to names that I'm not even sure some of these guys are. Matt McLean, <laughs> Andres Jimenez, Eduardo, is it Julian or Julian? Forgive me, don't know. Uh, Zach Geloff and Nico Horner of the Cubs. 
Now, when this happened, we all kind of had the same response of like, did Ozzy retire and not tell us? How could you not have him in the top 10? Now, frankly, he's to me, he's top two or three. Like, we can have a debate. If you want to do the Mookie thing, who's not a traditional second baseman, he plays right field too, but fine. But if you want to do the Ozzy or Jose Altuve, we can do that one. Like, I think we could have a wonderful, you take Jose, I'll take Ozzy, and we both, we both might be right. No offense to Marcus Simeon, who's a nice player. Louisa Rise? Louisa Rise couldn't carry Ozzy Albee's jock. I'm glad he hits for average, and I'm not ignoring how important that is. Louisa Rise can't do half the things that Ozzy Albee's can do, and I mean all around. We, we want to neglect the defense, too. This guy's an extra base machine. The home run power. All the other numbers. Now, let me give you some of these. This uh, from Kevin Keenley, who had these numbers on Twitter. These are Ozzy Albee's finishes in 2023. He was sixth in war for second baseman. He was fifth in WRC+. Plus. Fourth in runs, fifth in hits, fourth in doubles, third in, or second in triples, second in homers, first in RBIs at the position. Yet, some pimple-faced intern at MLB Network who was tasked with writing down 10 names and submitting it neglected Ozzy Albies, and this is the second year in a row. Maybe they're just trolling. I, I don't know because I can't come up with any other thing that makes sense. If you were to tell me that you left off Marcus Simeon off this list, I'd say, okay, we, we have a problem there. If you told me that... First off, I, I even have a problem with the fact that they're calling uh, Mookie Betts a second baseman. Mm-hmm. I was like, he played second, all right? He's a, he's a right fielder. That's what he plays. He moved in to play second base for the season. Ozzie Albies, by all measurements, is a top five second baseman in this league. I mean, and, and, again, a middle-of-the-order second mm-hmm. baseman. Okay, this isn't a guy who's batting like, you know, you know five, six, or seventh. Then, okay, this is what he's doing. No, when this team started getting things going, it was when they shuffled the lineup around a little bit, and you had Olsen that went to four, then suddenly everything started moving the right way. I'm not going to uh, give them a pass, but I've said before, I think in Atlanta sometimes we take Ozzy for granted because this team is so star-powered that you do do the Ronnie thing a lot or you do the Austin Riley thing or Matt's having that kind of year. So that does happen, right? But this isn't the first time it's happened just to Ozzy. Like, do you guys remember when John Heyman did this uh, Fakakta list of top 15 hitters in all of baseball? Did he forget Acuna? He did. He did it. This was in December. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot about that. So he literally just forgot Ronnie, and then everybody was like, oh, you forgot somebody. And he went, oh, whoops. The NL MVP, he forgot. Then he went and put him seventh on his list, which, by the way, you should have just left him off. If you're going to come, oh, put him seventh. So what happens here, and you and I have talked about this before. A lot of this media comes from New York, Boston, Northeast media. They're so insulated that the world revolves around all things Boston, New York. And they'll throw a bone out west to the Dodgers because it's Dodgers. But the fact that a, a baseball insider puts together a top 15 hitters list and forgets. Like I could say, I've forgotten. You forgot Ronald Acuna, which is funny. The year before, and I remember doing this when Chuck was here. The year before there was a uh, ESPN rankings that had the top whatever it was, 100 players. And I think Acuna came in at like 15 or something, and I went, okay, if you don't recognize, and this is before the MVP season, that this guy's a top 10 player in the league, closer to top five, that again, doing it wrong. Maybe this is Atlanta doesn't register even as good as they are to the insulated New York, Boston, Northeast media. Because if I went through the Braves offense, they have a top two or three ranked second baseman. They have a top two or three ranked third baseman. And I'm doing all the baseball now. They have a top two or three ranked first baseman. They have, again, a top two or three ranked catcher. They have the top ranked right fielder. You can argue Michael Harris might be a top five at this point, if not pushing for that center fielder. Top three or four rotation, top three or four bullpen. 
And if you see that differently and you're thinking, well, that's just a homer response, then you're not paying attention. No, we're not playing in Colorado, okay? So the numbers aren't, like, skewed in any kind of weird way. This team set a record for slugging percentage. If you do that, just that alone, then you have to naturally say, well, who are the people doing it? Okay, maybe we should rank them pretty highly on a list when you slug 501 as a team. The next closest team was the Dodgers at 455. <laughs> That's crazy. That's silly. I'm 45 points higher than the next closest team. No. So, again, I, I wouldn't let it bother you. I know – I'm bothered. Now you ruined my Friday. I don't want to ruin your Friday. I want MLB Network to mad. pretend things exist outside of New York. That's all. Uh, and it's Ozzy. Like, it would be different if he was, like, you know, some guy who's a jerk on the team. And you're, great. okay, all right, he forgot the jerk. Ozzy's good people. He's the littlest and most lovable of them all. Now, uh, Lo, sit this out because you're no fun. So I'm going to talk to Cullen about this, and I'll ask uh, What, I turned into Chuck out of nowhere? Well, in this situation. Okay. So Darren Ravel tweeted out five minutes ago, there's a new offering in Buffalo this weekend for the Bills-Chiefs game. It's bad blood waffle fries, which is two feet of waffle fries, half topped with buffalo chicken and blue cheese, half topped with Kansas City Cattleman's barbecue pork, along with coleslaw and pickles. $24 for this dish. Now, again, Los is no fun. Because he doesn't eat. So I'll, I'll leave him out. What do you guys think of that? What does that do for you? Because that's a lot. There's a lot happening there. No, I'm all, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm all over it. Especially oh, God, you okay? Oh, my chicken. goodness. <laughs> I'm getting excited. Just it's your lozenge. <laughs> so you're excited about that. I can tell by the phlegm. So what is your favorite part of that? Is that the two feet of waffle fries itself or half topped with the buffalo chicken and blue cheese? Which, by the way, that's, that's something in itself. The other half with the barbecue pork, coleslaw, and pickles. All of it. It all wins. It's a, but the the buffalo chicken with the blue cheese. That's, that's, that's wonderful. I agree. Yeah. That to me. But the buffalo and the barbecue are cross-sectioning a little bit there? Well, you, you could, right? It's all going to the same place. But it sounds like, and I'm looking at the picture, it sounds like one half is is the... Pretty the, good split there? Yes. It looks like one half is the buffalo and the, the uh, blue cheese. The other side is the pickles and the coleslaw and the barbecue pork. So you can mix and match. The two shall meet if you want. If, yeah. if I may, because I'm, I'm probably the only person capable of making this for y'all. Oh, my God. Here he goes. The waffle fry. Uh-huh. Like, if I'm slumming it, I'll eat a waffle fry. Like, that that sounds awesome. Hop out. But it is possible to put too many, too many things and try and say, here's a $24 dish. I think you got to scale it back I a little bit. I don't disagree. The, col- the coleslaw sounds weird on that. Well, see, I love coleslaw, right? So, But you're right. We's gotten to the point where— That's we're... for the barbecue, right? It yeah, is. I mean, that joins, Correct. Yeah. But we, we are doing too much. Right there's not there's a point where you're doing too much. I it sounds like it's two separate dishes that we're working with. But here. we yeah. we can't charge twenty four dollars for two separate dishes, so we've got to you know drive up the price on this item. Um, so again, I'm I'm all for trying this, but that sounds like I wouldn't be able to sit through the rest of the game because I'd be in the bathroom, and that's a risk. Now it's warm in there. If I'm at the Bills Chiefs game, that's it's a win win. Can you imagine what the bathrooms in Buffalo? I don't want you to go down this home this. This rabbit hole, but can you imagine what that looks like in Buffalo? You're eating I think this? you went to take a dump. That's fine. They okay. used to have a, a product in Texas uh, for Nelly Cruz called the Boomstick, mm-hmm. which was like a three foot long hot dog. And all I could think of was, if you're not sharing that with anyone, how much do you hate yourself? <laughs> I mean, you listen. You don't eat for 24 hours. Oh, it looks so. I mean, it there was a great. part of me that went ooh, and then went no way. Yeah, well, you're not wrong. I'm gonna find you get, a picture. I'm going to send this thing to you, and you tell me if you think you could you could eat this. Thing. I'll investigate. I have no problem with that. All right, coming up, uh, the Four Letter Network has Bill Belichick on the way to Atlanta. They are believing it like everybody else. The coach with more Super Bowl wins than everybody can achieve what Los has experienced. He'll explain. My pants are wet. What? 
Huh? My pants are wet. I heard you the first time. What just meant don't, like, why'd you say it? Not I didn't hear you. I'm really wet right now. Maybe. All right, very good. So he'll explain what he's experienced besides the wetness next. We're going for a while. We continue Bill Belichick Watch 2024. If you see Bill, snap a pic, send it. Somebody's going to have a chance to win something. Uh, or not. Just the picture will show up and we'll mention it. I don't even know if this picture is new, but somebody had a picture of Bill at a uh, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> In his suit, Natalie attired, ordering a, a number one combo. Well, I assume the number one combo. I don't know that for sure. Belichick was in town yesterday. Flew in on the uh, Arthur Blank private plane. Meetings last night, dinner as well, interview to interview. I keep saying it's a meeting they're having where Bill's going to explain to them what he wants and they'll listen. So you see in 2003, I won this Super Bowl. Do you think they're having like a week long, a weekend long sleepover? Like they're all bunked up together. Bill's here for the weekend. Arthur. But they build forts all night. (laughs) And they watch movies and play video games. Like I'm trying to picture what this is going to look like. And that voice, by the way, is low. He's in for Chuck. I'm Matt. I'm identifying myself. It's Chuck and Chernoff on the fan on FM at 93.7 on AM at 680. And, of course, the uh, app. Um, so interview today, dinner last night. Does he put him up at a hotel? Does Arthur open up the mansion to Bill? Like, there are so many questions I need answered. It's got to be a luxury hotel, luxury stay. Sweet. Yes, definitely. Some some beautiful place, downtown Atlanta. You think he's at the Ritz or is he at, uh, like, wh- where is... It's someplace I can't stay. No, we wouldn't be welcome. No. And he's on no. the top floor. I would be riffraff. No question, which is funny because Bill typically looks like that. That's the surprise of all this stuff. So a lot of things to answer. You did hear Derek tell you, though, the Falcons are continuing their due diligence with other coaches. I know on the books they had Raheem Morris scheduled to come in for an interview. They are now requesting to interview Joe Brady. They'll continue going through. I, there was a talk that they were interested in, in speaking with Mike Vrabel. Again, they have to do this stuff. You hit a snag at the at the goal line. On this deal with Belichick, you got to have a plan B and then lie to us, the presser, and say that you got your first guy and your first choice, if indeed it's not Belichick. But everything's trending that way. We'll get to more on that coming up around the corner. Uh, but ESPN, Los, also has bought into the fact that they think the GOAT is headed to town with a bunch of Super Bowl rings in tow. Yeah, it was Dan Graziano who had the story and was following up with all the Josina Anderson stuff and all the things that ESPN has had saying – this looks like it's going to get done. And I wanted to to take you back to uh, basically the year was 2003 because I had a very similar experience to this when I was first working in radio. The Cowboy team that I had to go cover, and you want to talk about just like an awful time, they were 5-11 and 11 for three straight years. And Jerry Jones had the reputation of he only hires puppets. You know, that was the story, right? It was always, look, here's Chan Galen. Chan was, Chan was a quality coach that he got in there. He was the hot OC in Pittsburgh. And, it, you know, he, got, he had a you know 10-win season, 8-8, eight and eight, then he fired him. And then it was Dave Campo. And Jerry wanted a new stadium. And the public was not going to fund it until he changed what he was doing. And so what did he do? January morning, he ends up hiring Bill Parcells. And it was the craziest thing to know that now – You've been languishing, you know, without coaching for the better part of a decade since Jimmy Johnson had left, and now you've got one of the biggest names in the NFL, and the culture change, and the way he ran practice, and the authority he had. Everything altered in that room. They went 10-6 and six the next year. They were not that good of a football team, but they were disciplined, and suddenly they had veterans that knew what they were doing, and they got some decent quarterback play. Was that Quincy Carter that year? That was Quincy yeah. Carter. And Quincy had been drafted in 2001. He had shown nothing, 
basically build simplified everything and was basically saying, I want you to get the ball out early. I don't want you to take sacks. And when the play presents itself, go make the play. And that's what Quincy did and turned into that kind of quarterback for that year. I think you'd have the exact same scenario play out with Bill Belichick here. I, I would not be surprised if we're looking at this thing in, you know, next October, November, and saying, wow, look how disciplined, look how sharp this team is, and now it means more success on the field. Well, there are a couple of things that I thought through all the reporting that's been done, and there's been a ton of reporting. One of the reports, and I don't remember specifically where it came from, but the, the verbiage was something to the effect of there would be kind of a, a rude awakening inside the building inside the complex with Bill running the show. It's oh, just, a different standard. Yes, different standard, different environment. Not to say that there wasn't some level of that with any coach, whether it was Arthur or uh, Dan Quinn or any, but just a different set of circumstances. I imagine when Bill turns the corner, I mean, people stand up straighter. <laughs> like, it's just a, it's a different level of respect and, oh, my God, here's the greatest of all time, walking into the building that that office was once occupied by all gas, no brakes. And that office was once occupied by the mustache. This is a bit different. So from that standpoint, that's a very big deal. The other part of it is, and this is where the power of Bill and these discussions that are happening right now is fascinating. Because we're talking about all the things from, does he get the final say? Is he the GM? Uh, does he you know, run his staff through any channels or just tell the, the Falcons who he wants? More importantly, does he tell them what avenue he wants to go down for a quarterback? And I think that's going to be the most fascinating. Does he tell... Arthur and Rich and these guys in this meeting today, last night, all together. Here's my plan for quarterback. Are you guys on board with it? Because that one would fascinate me. I don't sense Bill is in the let's try to mold a young quarterback world because of the time running out on the clock. One of the things that Belichick will do, and I would see it from Parcells in Dallas, every Wednesday, you know, as you're getting ready, you have the guys over in the weight room. He would have guys working out on the field. These were guys that were they, they weren't in the league and they were just giving them a tryout. Just guys they were working out. And the reason why they would have them working out in front of the weight room is so the 53rd, 52nd, 51st guy on the roster was going, oh my god if I don't do my job, one of those guys is going to have my job. It was called churning the roster. That's, mm-hmm. that's what they would do. And even if he didn't intend to sign one of these guys, it was a reminder. It was a mental game. You better take care of your business because I've got three other guys that want your jobs. And that's, that, that's where you talk about the different standard of what these guys do. Oh, I would agree. I, I would love to see the reaction to players on that team if and when Bill gets the job. The first time they're in front of him, the first time they're in meetings. I mean, that's just a different standard, different level. Like, they all watch Belichick from afar as a coach. It's a different set of circumstances when he's screaming at practice or he's in the film room or he's just in the hallway, and that's Bill Belichick. It's just, a, again, a, a different world. Uh, I did run this by Lowe's that So the Falcons uh, are going to request to interview Joe Brady, which is intriguing to me on a few levels, that apparently Brady was very uh, hot on the Falcons list when they hired Arthur Smith. They just didn't think that Joe Brady was ready yet. So I don't think, again, they're, they're doing their due diligence, but I, I have this, again, continued suspicion that they're going to have to have a plan of a, of a successor. Anytime you bring in a 72-year-old, they don't have to announce it, but they do have to tell the league so they don't have to go through this the next time. But I wonder if Joe Brady would be one of those guys who's the interim OC right now with the Bills. You cannot make a lateral move. The Bills would have to agree to it. But the Bills couldn't block it if the Falcons were to say behind the scenes we want him to be the future head coach. I think at that point he would be allowed to go. Could that be something that makes sense, that he coaches with Bill for three years, Joe takes over, that way you don't lose your OC if they really like his play calling. All of a sudden, you feel like you have your long-term plan in place. Now, Lois, that would go against everybody's belief that Josh McDaniels is going to be the OC if he gets a job here. 
Yeah, I, I just remember you've had different teams that have done the assistant head coach role, mm-hmm. and, and it's typically been uh, to move a guy, you know, elevate him into right. a different position and make a lateral move. But in some cases, it has been this was the next guy we believe. And if you do have a 72-year-old uh, who is your coach, I, I think it makes sense to have that next guy that you like in waiting to get into the system. Yeah. All right, if the Belichick deal does get done, it sounds like a very big-name quarterback could be interested in following Bill to Atlanta. We'll update you on that. Plus, the Caleb Downs watch in Athens, it continues, but there might be another big name, another big player involved. We'll talk about that next. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. 